the Buddha <clears throat> once gave a talk um, basically exploring the relationship between samatha or one-pointedness and focus and vipassana or insight. And in this talk he spoke about the four kinds of persons that exist in the world. Buddhist, Buddhism, Buddhist sutras are famous for their long lists about things. This again has a list. And he's talked about the four kinds of people in meditation. He said, well, there's one kind of person who comes into meditation who is fully established in calmness of mind and in deep insight. And that person should make the effort to deepen in both. He said, there is another kind of person who comes to meditation who has a great deal of calmness, but not a great deal of insight. And that person should seek to find the balance between calmness and insight. He spoke about the kind of person who comes to meditation who is established in profound insight but has very little calmness and that that person should seek to find the balance there equally to nurture and foster the calmness. And then, of course, he spoke about the kind of person <laughs> who comes into meditation established neither in mental calm nor in insight and that person should make an effort to deepen in both. Now, when we <clears throat> think of these different categories, we would perhaps be attracted to slot ourselves into the latter one. But I think this is actually not true in my experience in teaching. Many people come to retreats, as I was speaking about yesterday evening, already with a great deal of insight about themselves, about their lives, about their stories, about their inner process. Um, and sometimes on a retreat, this process of insight or knowing what's going on within ourselves seems to continue. Sometimes a retreat is a time of, of many revelations and discoveries about ourselves. We say, you know, I never knew I was uh, so enraged. I, I never knew this about myself. I never knew my mind was so scattered. Uh, I never knew I carried so much jealousy. And sometimes this process of uncovering or revelation continues. Now, of course, what happens, this is is good news. Part of the practice of meditation certainly is this quality of revelation, of self-knowledge, of knowing ourselves on a moment-to-moment -moment level. I think the, sometimes the difficulty arises when that process of knowing is not balanced with calmness because the mind can become very busy in the world of self-knowledge in the world of understanding ourselves. The mind can become very busy in the world of um, trying to know something more fully or more deeply. 
And sometimes the way in which that busyness takes form is in the proliferation of missions that can be produced. You know, sometimes we may see something about ourselves, a pattern emerging, an inclination emerging. We might see, you know, aversive tendencies or <clears throat> grasping tendencies or tendencies of irritation. And there can come to be a grasping hold of that insight when there is not always a great deal of spaciousness and calmness. And when there is a grasping hold of insight, we produce a mission, you know, that now I have to do something with this. I have to make it better or make it less or, you know, go into it more or get rid of it. Sometimes we have really wonderful intentions. Sometimes the intentions are are truly wholesome. We want to explore something more deeply or to come to some kind of resolution. The difficulty comes, of course, is that that kind of... If there is not calmness, if there is clinging, then again we experience contractedness. You know, our consciousness contracts around this particular agenda, wanting something from it, feeling that we have to do something around it. We lose touch again with that bigger picture. And what happens then, we often just end up thinking, thinking about it. And in that busyness, we don't always, we're not always giving the patience and the spaciousness for unfoldment to take place more organically, um, for understanding to deepen more organically. Again, we are putting ourselves in charge of something has to happen or emerge in a certain way. Calmness is not a prerequisite for insight. There are many people in the world who have a great deal of insight and not necessarily a whole lot of calmness. But calmness is definitely a factor that allows insight to deepen organically and spaciously and to really sink into a cellular level in a way that transforms us. The test, the acid test of insight, is that it actually brings less suffering, greater well-being. It actually brings more freedom. There are certainly times, you know, when, especially in, you know, in retreats when there seems to be many personal revelations or understandings about ourselves, there is a temptation to want to hurry that process along through our doing or through our trying or um, through thinking sometimes. And I think we really need to know how to step back around that inner story, how to step back and let it be just to allow things to unfold again without assuming that position of being in control. The way that we do that, the balance that we're really seeking here on this retreat, is to balance calmness and insight. If there is a lot of thinking, sometimes it is just really important 
to be aware of where we are getting and drawn into um, a way a way of being inwardly where we've visited a thousand times before of just endlessly circling with our thoughts about something. Insight doesn't necessarily, as I said last night, come in headlines by bringing the spaciousness, the calmness, by bringing the real quality of non-dwelling. Insight deepens. And non-dwelling, this capacity to really cultivate the non-dwelling mind is so significant in this practice. To cultivate a mind that doesn't linger anywhere, to cultivate an attentiveness that doesn't dwell upon anything. And what does non-dwelling mean? It means that when a thought arises, you know, we don't have to look, where did it come from? Why did I have that particular kind of thought? Or there I'm having that kind of thought again. I've had it so many times. Or we don't have to, with that thought, think, well, now, you know, that relates to this instance and that situation and that circumstance. We don't have to build a case all the time out of a single thought. We don't have to build, you know, this grand scenario. We don't have to wonder, where is that thought going to go to? When a sensation arises, we don't have to color that arising with, <clears throat> with apprehension, with anxiety, with fear, to allow it to be, to allow it to unfold, to really see the ways in which our inner world is in a constant process of change, unfoldment, of phenomena is endlessly moving through us, to really notice the changes within that, to not cling, to not dwell anywhere. It's the art of simplicity, of allowing, of real generosity of heart. There are people who come on retreats and who have find themselves having much more calmness and insight. This may sound strange to some of you. <laughs> but there are people who come, you know, and they're kind of hanging out in a wonderfully calm, tranquil serene space where really nothing is making much impression. And again, there can be a clinging to calmness, you know, because it's fairly undisturbed um, and, and safe. And there can be just the inclination to just, you know, hang out in these states, one after, you know, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, just calm, nothing much happening. And for some people, it is important to actually cultivate more investigation and more reflection, to really be cultivating more clear comprehension around our inner process, to be noticing very clearly beginnings and endings, um, to notice very clearly the transitions from a thought to a sensation to the breath to a sound, to be noticing very clearly perhaps where the self arises in so many different forms in relationship to these phenomena. But it is always a question of finding balance, knowing if there is calmness and yet there's a kind of um, flatness within that calmness, that there is time, it is a time for investigation, for reflection knowing if there is a lot of revelation, a lot of insight, a lot of knowing, to really know how to balance that with calmness. And we have the tools here to cultivate that calmness, 
with the tools of focus and one-pointedness. Clear comprehension is the capacity to know something as it is, just as it is, without the filters of should or expectation, without the filters of judgment or aversion or holding, to know something very immediately and very clearly as it is. And one way of fostering and nurturing, I think, clear comprehension in our days here is when we make those transitions from a sitting to a walking or from a walking to a sitting, to take just a moment or two for reflection. Just to be still for a moment. To kind of cast our mind's eye back over that sitting or over that walking. And just ask ourselves, what was the quality of that sitting? What was the quality of that walking? Um, Was there repetitiveness in a particular thought form? Was there a continuity of a particular feeling flavor? Was the attentiveness wakeful, present? Was there a mental state there where I felt more dull or sunk? To take just a moment or two, not a big, in, you know, a big case investigation. I really mean a moment or two. <laughs> not with a lot of judgment, not with a lot of, you know, way of... Um, accumulating credentials, but just to take a moment or two, just to know that sitting, to know that walking, to know the themes that kind of repeat themselves in our day. Yesterday, Anna spoke about untying knots, you know, untying knots within our bodies where there are knots of holding or knots of tension. And this is what calmness, the quality application of calmness does. It helps us to untie knots, not only in our bodies, but also in feelings. Now, many times in the day, you'll find that in many of your thought patterns, or much of the mental busyness, is actually related to feelings that are emerging. Many times people in retreats find that they have, you know, quite strong emotional states that arise, that emerge. And here, too, this is where we learn to untangle with calmness. You know, we, we do have, a, I think, a more traditional pattern in our culture that if there's an emotion, you know, then that emotion has a particular process that starts with it arising and it ends up with its releasing in some way. We have this notion that emotions always have to be released. Um, only to return another day. We sometimes don't appreciate that part. There is another way. There is another way of untangling knots of emotion and feeling. If you find that there are strong feelings or emotions are present in the day, that your attention is really drawn into them, that you feel yourself being caught, come into your body. If there is a strong emotion or feeling present, you will sense it in your body. It might be in your chest, it might be in your throat, it might be in your abdomen. You will sense the contractedness in your body. Bring your attention into that area rather than the story about the feelings or about the emotions. Perhaps the story is not always so useful. 
to come more to a much more essential level of how those feelings or emotions are impacting in your body, use your attention in a very fluid way to investigate, to explore, to go into, knowing where the edges of that contraction might be felt in your body. If there are points of intensity of that contraction that you feel, use your attention very fluid, almost you know, like a a small journey of exploration. What is really taking place there? To know if it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. To come into your body in that way, to really just stay with it. Sometimes if you feel yourself really entangled, again, as Anna was speaking about yesterday, keep shifting your attention, go back to your breathing, come back to your body, go back to your breathing, come back to your body. You know, not in a hurried or a speedy way, but as a way of bringing more spaciousness, more calmness. We see that this practice, you know, is embracing all of our inner experience. It's a way of finding freedom within all of it, not making... Um, you know, uh, not feeling that we need a special, we don't need a special technique to learn how to be with emotions. Attentiveness is powerful. It unlocks, it penetrates, it unlocks. So if you find that you're experiencing emotions or feeling arising, use the attentiveness you have. Use the calmness you have. Again in the sitting, just letting the breath be the bare anchor, your bare resting place as a way of revealing the moment. Your breath is not a hiding place. It's a resting place that reveals the moment. It is an anchor that allows us to be present so we know that we're not lost. But again, it is not something to cling to. It is a resting place that reveals the moment. The quality of attentiveness and calmness we nurture within our breathing It's the same quality of attentiveness and calmness we bring to the rest of our experience. The attentiveness, the presence of non-dwelling, of seeing clearly, of allowing. So again, in the beginning of the sitting, just checking in with your posture, that you feel relaxed and alert and balanced. Settling into that steadiness of being. Aware of the calmness and stillness of your body. The alertness of your posture. And cultivating that same calm, steady alertness within your attention present within your breathing, present with the fullness of the moment.
May all beings be free from conflict. May all beings be free from fear. May all beings live in peace. Today you may well experience that you have a little more energy available to you than you might have had in previous days. Um, Sometimes it can feel like quite a mystery in the first days of a retreat to experience, um, for many people, a quite phenomenal tiredness. Um, After all, we're not exactly really exerting ourselves physically here. You know, we kind of sit around and uh, a little walk, (laughs) sit around again, and yet at the end of the day can feel so, on through the day can feel so tired, and certainly some of that tiredness is part of transition. Part of it is the effort you're making to meet the monkey mind. And part of it comes, of course, also from struggle and thinking. It's very tiring. It's really very tiring. So as the retreat goes on, you'll probably actually find, certainly as the struggling or the kind of entanglement feels to lessen, that there is somewhat more energy available to you. And I would really encourage you to direct that energy into cultivating as much as possible a real seamlessness in the practice. Many, many people find it really helpful to work with, uh, you know, like a period of time, like going from a sitting to a walking to a sitting without necessarily any detours in the midst of those periods. But there's a real sense of flow of attentiveness Um, that is very directed and very calming and deepening, would encourage you to, if possible, to work with that. In the walking meditation, sometimes it's really helpful to be um, aware of your eyes, to let your eyes rest just on the ground in front of you. Many times our eyes beginning to move and wander is actually the signal that our minds have already begun to move and wander, and so our eyes become quite hungry. You know, they're looking around something, you know, other people's walking styles, and, you know, looking around for something to be interested in. So, really bringing that calm attentiveness also into the whole of your body, including your eyes. Um, Just a couple of practical announcements. One or two people in the retreat have some quite severe back injuries, and I've mentioned to them that it's actually okay for them to lie down in the meditation room. Um, It's not a kind of open invitation. (laughs) Um, You know, we are cultivating surely an atmosphere of, of alertness and steadiness here that you all really contribute to. And so I would encourage everyone else, please, to stay sitting up in the meditation room in the sittings and talks, um, knowing some people really need that, that other space that's necessary for them. All announcement I wanted to make is that um, just as we cultivate and all can cultivate together an environment of, of alertness and and attentiveness. There's also a, a place of 
people feeling very safe and, and unintruded upon. So in that area, you know, like when it's sunny out, I would really ask you not to be sunbathing half naked on the lawns, etc. It's really, I don't find it supportive. Other people don't find it supportive. And, you know, just anywhere in the public areas of the building that everybody stays their shirts on just as a way of, of really sustaining a, a place of being able to be together without feeling intruded upon. Good. Okay, so this time now is a walking period. <laughs> 